What up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy, Super Bowl Sunday edition. As always, your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? And despite reports of him being traded for five second round picks earlier this week, joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. Good to see you, my friend. I think I'm worth at least one like lottery protected first round pick in like 2030. <laughs> You know, that was the one thing I couldn't figure out is what's the translation rate or what's the, you know, what's the exchange rate of does five is five seconds better than one, you know, top 20 protected first round pick. I feel like we need someone to kind of dig in and figure out what, you know, how that all equates out in, you know, in the aggregate. I think nobody actually knows. I think that's what <laughs> that that was the, the the issue with the trade deadline is once nobody had first round picks to give anymore, people were just like, "How many second round picks?" and people just threw a number out there, and then the other team was just like, "I guess four makes sense." Yeah. Like, have we actually thought about it? We don't have enough time to like crunch the numbers about what these second round picks value are and that does that translate let's just make the deal because we know that this player helps our team right now and second round picks normally do not so i had two jokes during uh the deadline this past thursday which you know i was lucky enough i hopped on with the first of the floor guys then hopped around to the vitamin c's crew with adam and tim so i was i was making the round i was having a fun day it was a, it was a really good time we're gonna get greg's thoughts on that a little bit more since he hasn't had a chance to really share that and we're gonna do so in honor of super bowl sunday rihanna style so stick around we're gonna we're gonna explain to you just how that works but you know thinking of all these second round picks that we're floating around. The first thing I said is, number one, I wonder if we're going to get to a point now where all of a sudden we're doing second round swaps. So do you get to get a second round swap and, you know, five second rounders, two are swaps, though. So it's not really full five. It's actually got, you know, two swaps in there. But, you know, with these second round picks, you kind of hit on this a second ago. So many first round picks in bundles have been traded around the league the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, it's and it feels like the Pelicans, the Jazz, uh, the Grizzlies have several first picks. The Rockets have a bunch. You know, there's going to be five to six teams that just have all these first round picks. Everyone that's traded them away, they just ran out of they just ran out of the currency that is first round picks. So it's mm-hmm. what about a second, two, three, four, and somehow we settled on five being the magic number with potentially three full trades. Obviously, there's a trade in question right now with Gary Payton, mm-hmm. the second else, which is, yeah, that's a disaster. So that's going to be a fun situation for all those involved. But three different trades, five second round picks. It was uh, it was the number of the day uh, earlier this week. Yeah, trade deadline was fun. I can't wait to talk about it later in the pod. But with that, let's actually get into what just took place here as we're going to do a morning box score. So, Greg, let's go ahead. Let's cue it up. Boston Celtics take down the Memphis Grizzlies here on Super Bowl Sunday, 119 to 109 for the Grizzlies. Ja Morant, 25 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Triple J, 15 points, seven rebounds, only played 20 minutes, fouled out of this game. We'll talk more about that later. Desmond Bain, 18 points. For the Celtics, very eventful box score for them. Jason Tatum, not his greatest day, obviously. 3 of 16, 16 points, did have 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Al Horford, 16 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Rob Williams, 10 points and 16 rebounds. Our guy, my guy, your guy, Derek White, 23 points, 10 assists. And the White Boy Brigade, I don't know, Greg, we may have to find a different name for him. I'm going to go with this for now. The White Boy Brigade, Sam Hauser, Mike Muscala, Peyton Pritchard. They, they come in with 42 points, 12 of 23 from the three-point line for the three guys in the White Boy Brigade. Eight players overall in double digits for the Celtics. Another very, very impressive team win. No Marcus Smart, no Jalen Brown, no Malcolm Brogdon in this one. So missing three of your key players. Once again, the Celtics win 119 to 109 over the Memphis Grizzlies, moving to 41 and 16 on the season. A game and a half lead now on the Bucks, who have won 10 straight and are coming hot. So the Celtics needed this game to keep pace. Greg, this is a, this is a pretty fun game. I always enjoy when we play the Grizzlies. Um, I think 
their athleticism and the fact that they love getting in the paint versus the Celtics who really pride themselves on their three-point shooting. Obviously, getting into the paint to get those three-point shots is helpful, uh, but it is in- an interesting kind of clash of styles. What was what was your main takeaway from, from this game and, and where you want to start? First question, can we count Derek White in the white boy brigade because of his last name? <laughs> that's uh that's gonna have to be up up to debate right now i think right now we're, we're sticking to the to the three guys in the white boy brigade because we're gonna talk about Derek white here he, he's just got he needs his own separate entity he's his own he, he's making an all-star case here late yeah where do you want to start do you want to start with Derek white do you want to start let's with go, let's go Derek white because i've been i've i've got i've got a couple numbers here on Derek white and you know he has just been phenomenal over this last stretch yeah, why don't you hit us with the numbers first, then I'll tell you what I'm so, saying. So, coming into this game, so we just talked about it. He has 23 points, 10 assists in this game tonight. You can see on the highlights right now, if you're watching on YouTube, him with the and one late in the game. But over his last nine, so this is his 10th straight game, Greg, that he's gone into double digits. Over his last nine games, with an, you know, an additional workload, he's up to 33.6 minutes per game. He's shooting 52.2% from the field, 47.4% from three, getting to the line three times a game, just over five rebounds, just under five assists. 1.2 blocks and averaging 19 points per game over his last nine. All of those clearly maintained in his game today with that 23.10 assist performance. And, you know, Derek White, he's we've talked all season about how much we love the depth of the guard position. We're talking about Peyton Pritchett in this as well here in just a little bit, but the depth of that guard position, the combo guard position, which as we should call it for the Celtics with Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart. And, you know, Derek White's the guy. He's he's Mr. Reliable. He's there night in and night out. And this last stretch of, of 10 games that, that he's been on has been a massive heater for him. And he has been a really stabilizing force in the Celtics rotation. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to, you know, the depth in the roster building that Brad Stevens has done with this team. The fact that Jalen Brown can go down, Malcolm Brogdon can go down, Marcus Smart can go down, and other guys can just step up and do more, which just makes you realize how much less these guys are actually doing and how much you actually have to sacrifice as an NBA player because there's just so much talent going around, you know, uh, and there's only one ball and there's all these guys that know how to score that thing. So with Derek white, what I hope is going to happen after this is that he's going to maintain this confidence. Joe Missoula is going to have the utmost confidence in him to play him every single game, at least 25 minutes a night, because that's what Derek white deserves. There are still some games where white will play like 16, 17 minutes. It's just like, what happened in that game? Why did you play Jason Tatum 40 minutes? Why did you play Jalen Brown 38 minutes? Why did we play Marcus smart 37 minutes? We don't need to do things like that because we have all these guys that if given the right opportunity, if Joe has the right recipe, pushes the right buttons, all the coaching cliches you want to throw out there. If Joe can continue to be a better coach by taking all these little pieces and putting them into place like a chessboard. I think Joe Missoula can unlock what, what we're seeing with the Boston Celtics. Hopefully this sample size is a large enough sample size for a math guy like Missoula, where he's going to trust Derek white moving forward. Yeah, 40, 40 minutes tonight from, from Derek White. So we certainly, at least in the interim, earning that trust piece of Joe Missoula to be one of those guys that he calls upon when he, and I thought tonight was was a really interesting Derek White game because I did feel like there were moments where it felt like Derek White didn't quite have it. He certainly found himself in in different moments, but it wasn't quite the the first half against the Hornets where I don't know what happened. He was touched by an angel or something happened, but that just, just <laughs> he, he couldn't miss. He was taken. I mean, he fumbled the ball at one point in his three point shot in that game and still made it. He was, you know, he, he had that confidence brewing when, you know, you can tell, especially an NBA player, like w- when they step out of their comfort zone, it's like, oh, you don't see him, you know, pop off a screen like that and go pop that three. But, you know, I think he hit eight in a row, he hit eight in the first half, whatever it was, eight out of 10 in that, in that first half. And so tonight it felt like it was, you know, it, it wasn't the easiest for him to get there, but he still made a lot of really good decisions still got you know got, led the team in scoring we talked about that a few you know a few episodes ago was the first time someone not named Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown led the team in scoring I believe it was Malcolm Brogdon now Derek White does it again here to de- here tonight and so you know like I'm like half joking that you know Derek White's making a late all-star case here but these last 10 games that that he's had including tonight's win over or today's win I should say over the Grizzlies is you know it's just a true testament of of what this team has and when it comes to depth and that's where we should probably go next just speaking once again about the depth this is a game where you have obviously have no Jalen Brown facial contusion although luckily 
in the pregame, it does sound like this is not going to be that long of an injury. In fact, uh, in the open, they were even mentioning he might play in the all-star game. I'd kind of prefer he doesn't, but I get it. You know, if you want to go play in the all-star game, that's a, it's a huge honor. So, but it does sound like at least by after the all-star break, he should be back or soon mm-hmm. thereafter to play. So that is good, but no, but no Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum goes three of 16 tonight, really without him getting to the free throw line 12 times. This is a, this is a pretty disastrous Jason Tatum, you know, leading the team from scoring standpoint, pretty disastrous night that could come back to bite you. But the depth of this team was on display much like it was in that Philadelphia game uh, without a bunch of starters in that one as well. There's a lot of guys to highlight here. Sam shooting the ball well. Grant Williams steps up again. Peyton Pritchard, who we need to talk about. Newcomer, Mike Mascala. You know, where do you want to take this next, Greg? Because I think there's a lot of different avenues that, that we could talk about this from. Let's start with Tatum because I think when you look at the box score and he, you know, watching the game, you might think that Tatum was checked out there in this game. I didn't really feel that way. I thought what he said in the post game made a lot of sense. Basically, he said he was serving as a decoy. And when Dylan Brooks is going to guard you and face guard you for an entire game and really not play any help defense, basically, I mean, they're they're playing like man principles, but they're almost in a box in one the way that Dylan Brooks plays defense like that. So Tatum, I thought, did the right thing for the most part throughout the game is just set screens. He cut, you know, he was, you know, off the ball, kind of spacing the floor and letting his guys go four on four against the other guys on the team, which ended up working out because there's just like a, a crap ton of spacing on the floor. So I was actually okay with the way Tatum played offense. Obviously, Dylan Brooks is a pest. Um, did this change I, any any feel? I know no, you are no. the number one. I'm almost nobody is a real big Dylan Brooks fan, unless maybe you're a Memphis fan. But actually, they booed him a couple nights ago, so yeah. I don't even know if they're they're big fans. But I, I do think, to your point, he did give Jason Tatum some trouble. So does that change any of your feelings on on Dylan Brooks? No, Dylan Brooks isn't a scrub by any means. He can play great defense. He's just a horrible offensive decision maker and <laughs> yeah. just like ma- takes the worst shot, the worst opportunity. That one play where he tried to like back Grant Williams down at the foul line and took a ridiculous fadeaway jump and, shot. And, and I come think on, Mark, bro, you and- don't need to do that. Yeah, I think Mark Jones and Doris Burke even called them out on the broadcast. Like, I think there was just, I think Barbara was like, Doris, what were your thoughts? Worst shot I've seen all night. It was, yeah. was something like it was very blunt the way that they called it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a real, it's a real narrative. You, we've been on that for a couple of years now. But I think with Tatum, I thought he did, he, he did a good job all night. You know, it wasn't his best scoring output, but he did have two steals, two blocks, two big blocks, too, in the first half that I think were tone setters. So that two way J ability is there. Um, other guys I want to point out, I think Robert Williams, we got to talk about Rob's first three-point attempt I thought that was <laughs> that was some pretty special stuff there but dude how did the refs not reverse that call that clearly hit the rim like do they just not believe in physics <laughs> i i love that the the broadcast after they saw the replay they were like oh yeah clearly it, it it changed the you know direction of the ball like it was very clear they moved on to other aspects of the game and they were almost caught off guard when the ref kind of snuck in there and usually it's funny i think the refs will sometimes make a almost a big show about their moment on TV. They'll do a little hip turn, you know, make sure that they get looking <laughs> dead eye in the dead eye into the camera, get their moment. And this one, he kind of just like snuck in like shot clock violation, Memphis ball. And then like ran away. And everyone was like, wait a minute. Like w- w- what just, what just happened here? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how that was missed. I think everyone besides the ref who made the call was caught off guard by that one. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. But I think Rob's performance tonight with uh, how many rebounds did he have? 16 rebounds for for Rob Williams tonight. As I'm talking here, can you find Rob's rebounding numbers over the past like five games or something gotcha. like that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, with Rob, I think going up against a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think around the league, there's probably a lot of player A, player B comparisons going on on the defensive end because Jaron Jackson Jr., a lot of people are saying he's the defensive player of the year. If you're a fan of the Celtics, you're going to start making some arguments for Robert Williams. You're going to compare them, probably going to throw a DeAndre Ayton into that conversation. Just these really good young uh, centers around the league with high pedigree. You know, Robert Williams, although he was a late first round draft pick, was a really highly touted prospect in college. It's just, you know, there were some injury concerns and some character concerns with him coming out of college. So I think with Rob, you know, when you see him and the impact that he's having night to night, especially recently, against a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., that speaks volumes to what we need him to be and the potential that he can reach. Because although there were times tonight where I felt like he still could have been more aggressive with the ball around the basket, 
we saw that passing ability that you and I talked about at the airport. Like, is Rob actually a good passer? Does he really make good decisions? Or can he just make good? Can he do like the occasional really nice highlight pass, which we saw tonight. But mm-hmm. I'm, 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 where are you on Rob's passing ability right now? Cause I know that's something that we were like, can we talk about this yet? Yeah. So we talked about it privately. We haven't talked about it publicly. Um, I'm still kind of of the, you know, of the position that you just stated there where he can make some really nice passes. I think we've probably overrated his passing ability a little bit because he can. Um, but I, I think it, it kind of goes hand in hand with me with some of the, and this is nitpicking at Rob's. So I don't even like bringing it up too much because I do think, you know, he, he is someone that keeps the offense flowing, but there's times where some of his passing decisions that leave me wanting more is actually, I want less because I want him to look at the rim for just two seconds. Sometimes I want him to just catch the ball, look to the rim or be able to take one move against a, a smaller defender. And that's sometimes where, you know, that hot potato pass that I call that, that Rob has a bit, I think sometimes gets him in trouble. And the times that it works, it's, you know, it's when Sam Hauser hits him with a pass, you know, down in deep and he kicks it back out to Derek white so that he has the ability to knock down that three on the wing without, you know, having anyone given, giving them time to recover. And it works in those scenarios. And there's other times where, you know, you wish he would kind of just pick and choose perhaps a little bit better. So it's not that he can't pass. I, I just think the, because of the highlight level passes, like you said, it leaves us thinking he's probably a little bit better pass than he's because Al Horford on the whole is the, the better passer of the two big men the Celtics have. Yeah, I think Al makes the the simpler pass like within the offense a little bit more. Rob mm-hmm. makes the spectacular pass like we saw tonight, that one ridiculous pass that you just referred to. But you have those rebounding numbers for Rob. Yeah, so he so he had 16 rebounds tonight. He had in his last so his last three games just rebounding against Detroit, 15 rebounds, Charlotte 16, and then another 16 piece tonight. Mm-hmm. And I do think that his rebounding since he's since he's come back has been something that, you know, not every night is going to be these massive double digit nights, but very few and far between are we getting nights that are, you know, under seven, eight rebounds. And I think just in general, he's having more of an effect than at least, and this is a little bit anecdotal than just what I remember of him, you know, last year having on the, on the boards. And I think these last three games you see, you know, when needed, he really can have a, a certain aggression that comes along with his rebounding. Well, this is why I always call him Bobby Bitcoin, right? And I talk about like how he raises the ceiling of the Celtics to an exponential level, right? Because when you go up against teams like a Hornets team, um, like, like the game today, it's just like when you have the best athlete on the floor, there that didn't really happen much throughout our time as Celtics fans. We're 33 years old right now. Like how many times could we say our big man was the best athlete on the floor? Like that first couple years of the KG era before he hurt his knee, like he was probably the best athlete on the floor at the big man position. But other than that, I feel like Rob is the only time we've been able to say we have the best big man athlete on the floor. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. I would. I would definitely agree with that. And also, I wanted to to add in you're you're really milking that. We're we're still still 33 years old here, as you have about <laughs> what 11 days until uh, you can no longer say that. So I think this is the second time in the last couple episodes dropped. Yeah, you I mean we're only 33. Dude, so, uh, it's, I don't it's know if been, I don't know if you're fighting a mental warfare. Over no, there no, or what? oh, I am, bro. I am. I am thinking about how, like, oh, this was my bird year. Like, I was going to accomplish so many things this year, and I did, like, a lot of personal growth. But like, you know, turning 34, and I still want to be more successful than I am. So, gotta having that ex the yearly annual existential crisis that comes along with the birthday. Birthday is supposed to be like joyous occasions, not for your boy over here. Well, there's a certain age where that's just that's just how it goes. But here's the thing: you're going from your Larry Bird year into your Paul Pierce year. So take that as you will. I don't know what, what that means or how you want to celebrate what you want to do, but I still think there's, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for you. But yeah, to your point, uh, you know, aside from obviously the really first year and a half of KG before he got that injury in Utah, in which his athleticism, he was, it was still there. It just wasn't quite that level that it was for that, that first year and a half. Yeah. Rob is without a doubt, you know, the, you know, the best athlete, the Celtics have had to, to go ahead and, and control that paint. Um, with that, I wanted to touch on, so you and I talked about this when we were playing ball. Yes. That's a great clip of, of Rob Williams here as we're, if you're looking at it here on, uh, on YouTube, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, the quote that came out or, or not necessarily a quote, but a question was asked to Joe Missoula about the Celtics maintaining leads in games that kind of went viral the other day. And, you know, he, he kind of was a little snippy about the, about the answer. And, you know, what do you think? No team's ever going to make a run, but this is something 
that seems to keep rearing its head. And, you know, today in the third quarter, Celtics, you know, there's a 15 to two run from the Grizz to open that quarter. Now the Grizz is a second place team in the West. So I think talking about them versus the Charlotte Hornets, we're, we're obviously talking apples and oranges here when we talk about the quality of team that the Celtics are going up against. But once again, there are more opportunities where the Celtics have leads that, you know, tonight it felt towards that end of that fourth quarter. If Al Horford doesn't make that excuse me three with the Celtics up by nine, that game could have a, you know, a, a much different feel down the stretch. So, you know, it hearkening back to the original question that, you know, should Joe Missoula be concerned about the Celtics ability to hold leads? You know, obviously they win this game by 10, but, but do you feel that is a growing concern that, that you have issues about? Yeah, but it's also been a Celtics concern for a few years now, even during the Brad Stevens era. We just we would just go into these offensive droughts where for whatever reason we can't score the basketball, we can't hit a layup, like get wide open threes and we brick them. It seems like everybody just gets tight around the same time. And then like every once in a while, we get super lucky and Jimmy Butler misses a three-pointer that would send them to the finals instead of us going to the finals. You know, that's that stuff just happens in the NBA. But I think with Joe specifically. I've said this before, but like with the timeouts, it's one thing to not want to call a timeout because you just like what's happening. You don't want it. You want your guys to be able to play through it, so on and so forth. But there's another thing, like the idea of just stopping the rhythm just for a second and just like getting your guys under control. Cause today when the Grizzlies were making their run in the third quarter, it's a five point game and everyone's expecting, or at least thinking, is this the moment where Joe calls a timeout, right? Camera even cuts to Joe, right on the, on the ESPN broadcast because they know this is going to be something that, that that people talk about. Doris even mentioned it on the broadcast. This has been an ongoing conversation, and you see Joe has that little like badger face that he does, and he just <laughs> he throws up the horn signal, and we run a good horn set, right? And Derek White gets the back cut. Ja contests at the rim. Derek White maybe got fouled, but you know I thought it was a good play by Ja. We don't get it there. Next play down, I think the Grizzlies scored again, right? I, I don't know if they got a two or a three, but I think they definitely scored there. We run a stack pick and roll, Spain pick and roll, however you want to call it. Tatum exits out on like a little bit of an Iverson-like cut out to the wing. He gets Xavier Tillman in a switch. Uh, we met a, I think Tillman blocked Tatum's shot and then Rob missed the layup at the rim. So we got like two good actions where we didn't call a timeout. Joe let things go. And then he called the timeout when those baskets didn't work. They tied the game. And then we went on, I think a five, nothing run out of the timeout to kind of like get a little bit more breathing room there. But the overall point I'm making, I think is that Joe is always going to say, if I like the way that we're playing, if I like the shots that we're getting, I'm probably not going to call that timeout. What I would like Joe to start thinking about is just like, if I call the timeout now, Will it stop the momentum of the other team versus like us getting a three pointer and then stopping the momentum that way? I just mm -hmm. want like the other team's momentum to stop versus us just like trying to regain momentum. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's, you know, I, I think this is very similar to something you said maybe two, three weeks ago, because I feel like we've had this conversation a couple different times. And it's one thing, I mean, this is part of what the regular season is for, especially for a rookie head coach, experimenting a little bit, trying to figure out your lineup, trying to figure out what patterns, you know, what play calls you, you want to use. And, you know, letting your team play through adversity is absolutely something you want to do at different stretches. And Joe does a very good job of that. But the other side of this is as a coach, you want to try to work to yourself. All right, what can I do to influence the game? Because this is one of the few ways in which, you know, a coach in real time has an ability to, to change what is happening on the court, right? Like you're talking about suck that momentum. I'll let that don't, not, don't let that momentum build up because, you know, I think about that 15 to two run to start the half and, you know, what if that's the finals? I mean, I mean, not, I'm not saying that Joe will play it that way, but that's been kind of the case is that Joe hasn't really experimented quite. He's gotten better in different areas at times with these with these timeouts. But, you know, if this is and maybe he plays it differently, but we just haven't really seen that. If that's Steph Curry that just leads a 15 to two run in the finals, like that momentum is a lot different than a regular season game on February 12th. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it does make me concerned that that's good. If that's the approach that you're having in the regular season, and we don't see the other side of that experiment, that that's all we're going to expect and that that could cost you games down the line. So mm -hmm. 
I mean, like you said, it's this is you know when the team is forty-one and sixteen, you got to find things that you're going to nitpick. You got to find things that you think, hey, what's this one moment that maybe we talked about this three or four different times, and we get to the conference finals and we're like, it happened again, or hey, hallelujah, it didn't happen because maybe the Celtics or whoever it might, or Joe Missoula or someone or one of the players has learned from this instance. But anything else you want to, anything else you want to touch on, on, on this game, Greg here, or do we want to, we want to take a little break and then transition into our, uh, our next segment here. We don't need to like have a whole back and forth on this. I just want to give a quick shout to Sam Hauser for rediscovering shotgun, shotgun Sam rediscovering his shot. He looks great. He's been awesome in Jalen's absence. His defense continues um, to be a positive, especially his ability to chase guys around screens. I think his own knowledge of navigating screens on the offensive end and understanding angles as a shooter, I think it's translating well to his ability to chase guys off screens on the defensive end. So shout out to Sam. He's been playing great. Yeah, last four game stretch for Sam has been really, really vital, really important. And, you know, while we're waiting to figure out just how long Jalen Jalen Brown is out, like we said before, hopefully shouldn't be much more than the all-star break. You know, his emergence of him getting that shot back to early season form has been pivotal in this four game win streak here for the Celtics. But with that, it is Super Bowl Sunday. So Greg and I wanted to find a way to incorporate that. We already gave you our Super Bowl pick last week so what we want to do this week is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back you know like i mentioned i got to give my my trade deadline thoughts all over the place on on thursday i was hopping around but greg has not had a chance to give you his yet so we want to do so a little super bowl twist right after this all right greg so I was everywhere, given my 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 trade deadline opinion. Dude, you were having right. so much fun. It was, was like your Christmas morning. It was, it was hilarious. A blast. The trade deadline is is was one of my favorite days. That's why I was like, should we do a live show? I know we both have work, and I had one meeting that kind of like got canceled in the middle, and I was like, all right, I'm all in. So I don't know if anybody at my my Dutchy fam is listening to this right now. Hopefully not, because your boy was hopping around doing uh doing some things during during the day, but uh. I do want to get some of your thoughts on some of these bigger moves. So there's several moves that that really affect the the Celtics. And we already talked about some of the bigger ones, the Kyrie of the Mavs. We, you know, we're live Wednesday after the Celtics game. So we had a chance to talk about the Lakers trade, the Josh Hart trade. So we're going to put those to the side. But not only do I want your thoughts, Greg, and this is I thought it was kind of interesting that you suggested this segment, is we're going to put a little Super Bowl twist on this. I'm going to give Greg a trade. And he's going to give me the Rihanna song that best matches. Is it your feelings on the trade? Is that, is that what we're, um, it's, how we're it's kind of it? a mix of my feelings versus like me projecting uh, the thoughts and feelings of either players that were involved or the franchises that were involved. What is the most appropriate Rihanna song for this trade? That's yes. what, what Greg is going to give us. And I, I thought this was interesting, Greg, because I think out of the two of us, I would assume I'm the bigger Rihanna fan. So I thought it was I'm, interesting that, that, that you, that you came up with this. Well, a couple things. She's performing at the Super Bowl, and also, you're my best friend, and I know how much you love Rihanna, so I did this for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Queen Riri is my girl here. We'll, we'll be talking about her some more later. But let's 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 jump into this. So I was going to start with the Celtics' direct trade, but we got to go with the biggest trade on the board. It was the trade that, that rocked everybody that broke, I think, probably an hour before you and I, or after, I should say, you and I went to bed, wrapped up the podcast. We're like, hey, that was pretty solid. That was fun, man. This is a good time. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, it, it couldn't have been lost more in the clutter of, you know, hey, please still go go listen to our podcast. Please, I, I know this happened, but, um, and, and who knows? I appreciate you that did come in and listen to our last episode. But Kevin Durant gets traded from the Brooklyn Nets, along with TJ Warren, to the Phoenix Suns, and in return, they get Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four unprotected first round picks from the suns greg what is the rihanna song that best embodies the straight i'm gonna go with stay and the lyrics that i think best uh encapsulate this are not really sure how to feel about it something in the way you move makes me feel like i can't live without you it takes me all the way and i want you to stay Sorry, Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant had no desire in sticking around once Kyrie Irving left. And the Suns better hope that KD is down to stay there for the rest of his career, which I think he will. But I I also do like the return on this trade for the Nets. Um, Other guys that I think will end up staying 
in Brooklyn. I think Bridges will Bridges and Johnson long term probably will stay there. And they got those four unprotected first rounders. Um, so th- I think there's still room actually for the Nets to make some noise in the playoffs this year. And I think they're in a great place to move forward if they want to flip those guys for more picks and do a complete rebuild. What do you think about that? First of all, excellent pick. And I love this game already. This is a great game. I, I liked, I like how much thought that you, you put into that. That was, that was well done. I have no comments on, or, or no additions to that Rihanna p- portion of this. That was, that was phenomenal. Uh, you know, I think the thing that's the funniest about this trade is you look at the depth and I, I tweeted this out there, the Brooklyn Nets are basically an all-star roster of role players, you know, and it's, it's funny because before KD and Kyrie a couple of years ago decided to come in the summer, that's essentially what they were when they were a really fun team, made a kind of surprise run to the playoffs. I think they, you know, got frisky in that first round, maybe against the, I think it was against the Sixers. I'm not positive on that, but, you know, made it, you know, made a splash and it was part of what became attractive for KD and Kyrie to come to Brooklyn. And, you know, here we are three and a half years later and let's just reverse course. And we have, you know, five wings that are awesome. A couple of guards that can play cam Thomas apparently just puts up 40 points every night when given the opportunity, like, you know, it's, it's a really fun team and, you know, they're still in fifth place right now. Uh, I don't know that they're going to, to finish the season that way, but I still think they're good. So, I mean, I don't see any reason why they would fall beyond at, at minimum, you know, being in that play in game. And they simply, they're going to be a really fun team to watch down the yeah. stretch, which is just, so differently than what we've seen out of out of Brooklyn these last couple of years. Um, so I think it's pretty interesting on that front. And then for the KD side, over to the Suns, I mean, he's still hurt. I think that's the part that people have been forgetting about this race. He's still hurt. <laughs> he's not even going to yeah. play for a little bit long. Like, I feel like that's just been completely glossed over. Devin Booker literally just came back. Chris Paul's been kind of in and out. DeAndre Ayton's had up, ups and downs, you know, all over. So, I mean, obviously, I, I think it, it makes sense. And by the way, the owner took over what? 20 hours before this trade went down. It's a hell of a first day. Come in yeah. and just go ahead and get Kevin Durant. Yeah, right. I could, I think I can own an NBA team. Let's just go trade for people. Let's just go <laughs> trade for, for the guys that I do my fantasy league. And um, but I, I think it totally makes sense for the Suns because now you have at least probably, you know, we'll see what they do with Chris Paul in the offseason rumors. Maybe Kyrie wants to come to Phoenix. Who knows? Uh if they want to put up with that headache again, I don't know. But you have at least now, you know, if maybe two to three year runway of Let's remove Chris Paul just because of age. Who knows what's going to happen? And his, his, I believe his contract's not fully guaranteed for next year. Is you have Kevin Durant and you have Devin Booker, which we may have to do that. Do once we see them on the court, we're going to wait till we see them on the court. We have to redo that duos list and see see where they fit in because that that's going to be right there. I'm going to save you the trouble. Will they're the best two in the NBA? All right, not even going to wait to see one game first. No, dude, they're that Kevin Durant. Okay. No, he, it's, it's just another level. Devin Book it's, and it's Kevin fair. Durant are going to are, are going to be the best two in the NBA. It's it doesn't fair. mean they're going to win the championship, but they're the best two in the NBA. Yeah. And I mean, from from that duo perspective, if we go back to our list, those are basically two top 10 guys, whereas JT and JB is two top 15 to 20 guys, you know, yeah. so so that's the difference there. But I do think they gave themselves about a two, three year runway with this. So I, I like that. Like you said, I kind of like the trade from both sides. I'm really excited to see what it looks like in Phoenix. I don't, I'm not going to rush to make them the favorites yet, but I think they're, they're going to be right there. But with that, let's go to our next trade here, Greg. So okay. let's bring it to the Celtics. Our guy who had the green light today, Mike Muscala, as soon as he gets in, he lets that thing fly. Mike Muscala is now a Boston Celtic, Justin Jackson, two second round picks going out to the Oklahoma city thunder. Greg, <laughs> the best Rihanna song that embodies Mike Muscala to the Boston Celtics. I'm going to go with what's my name. And (laughs) the lyric, the lyric that I love the best for this one is the things that we could do in 20 minutes, Joe. Now I think it's more like the things that we could do in 10 to 15 minutes for Muscala, but I think his presence allows for Rob and Al to kind of play in that 20 to 25 minute um, range a night, even though tonight was not the case. They each played over 30 minutes, but I think Mescala being on the team helps to keep those guys fresh. I love this deal for the seas. Um, I've, you know, I, I've never really thought about Mescala on the Celtics, but once it happened, I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. He's just a guy that knows how to play on both ends of the court, a really smart player off of pick and pop actions I think he just fits a bunch of different ways. I think he's insurance for a Grant Williams dip as well and um, insurance for a Rob and Al injury. Overall, I think he's going to save the legs of our big guys down the stretch. You're two for two from the field so far. (laughs) 
with your Rihanna songs. This is a this is a really good pick. And yeah, so far, you know, Mike Muscal's already played two games for the Celtics, right? And it feels like he kind of he kind of fits in. And we'll see once we get all of our starters back. I want to see how Joe mixes them. And to your point, like you said, it's probably more of a ten to fifteen minutes versus <laughs> versus twenty minutes. But I, I like where your head's at. That's kind of where he is when you know if uh, if Al's sitting for a night or if Rob's sitting for a night, he might be in that kind of twenty minute range. And you know the way that he can expand the defense not afraid to shoot it like i said he's definitely letting that thing go these first couple games here um you know he he can play with basically any of the centers that we have out there if you want to stay big if you want to stay with that two big lineup there really isn't a center that you couldn't play with he was playing with luke Cornette for a few minutes tonight maybe that's not one you want to run out too much but whether it's with rob or al which is probably the more important pairing you're going to be able to you know put him out there and like you talked about he is good um Grant Williams insurance for the off season. He has a team option. Uh, and then you combine that with the return of Danilo Gallinari. So should, you know, Grant Williams uh, negotiations get a little pricey, which of course there's that opportunity. Then you, you have a little bit of safety insurance in Muscala and the newest member of the white boy brigade, Danilo Gallinari. So that could turn into a, a four, a four piece boy band uh, by next year. So we'll see how that goes. But any other thoughts on Muscala before we go to the, before we go to the next trade? Uh, one thing Muscala cannot do that Grant Williams was doing tonight was being the point of attack defender against John Morant. So uh, there's some things that Mike can do that Grant also can do, but that's not one of them. For some reason, I thought you were going to reference uh, Grant Williams mopping up the sweat for about two minutes. Like I, I genuinely <laughs> no, I think, think, I think Mike Muscala could do that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't know where you were going to go. I didn't know if you were going to be actually serious or try to try to weave in a joke here. Uh, I do think Grant really enjoyed that because he did. He kept going back, like like it's like great they get paid to do that it's okay just like you can tell them the spot but like he really got hands-on with that a couple different times but anyways let's actually go to a former celtic for our next trade here so this is probably the move in in my opinion that on the path to returning to the finals probably makes the biggest impact on the celtics outside of obviously their own moves here so greg jay crowder to the milwaukee bucks what is the Rihanna song that best embodies this move? <laughs> I'm feeling like Shotgun Sam, bro. I feel like this is going to be money. Uh, so Crowder to the Bucks, I went with Bitch Better Have My Money. <laughs> so, <laughs> bitch Better Have My Money. Y'all should know me well enough. Bitch Better Have My Money. Please don't call me on my bluff. Pay me what you owe me, balling bigger than LeBron. Bitch, give me your money. Who y'all think you're fronting on? This is to be it's just too perfect because I this is three, exactly how three I feel. For three. Three, three for three. three. Yeah, I knew you'd love that one. So I feel like this is how Jay Crowder saw himself in the negotiations with the Suns. Where he was just like, I am that guy. And they're like, Jay Crowder, you're really not that guy. <laughs> um, I still feel like the Bucks kind of overpaid uh, to give up what they give up five second round picks. Was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it ended up being, I think, because technically, I guess he actually was part of the KD trade that we mentioned earlier. And then he was rerouted to Milwaukee. So, I mean, I. There was too many second round picks. There was five second rounders. I don't know if all of them went to the Nets or if it was in part of another deal, but five second rounders did go out for Jake Crowder. Yeah, but I like this for the Bucks. You know, I think he fits a need on their team. They're a hundred percent a better team after this deal. When you look at their closing five that they can now throw out there, and I'm imagining a, a big part of this deal was to get Grayson Allen out of their potential closing five. Holiday, Connaughton, Middleton, Crowder, and Giannis. That's what I would imagine would be their closing five, which is switchable. It's big. It's a bunch of guys that can shoot. Um, I think this helps them in in the short term. And if they're willing to give him his money, I think it helps them in the long term too. So first of all, I'm still thinking about how perfect those lyrics go along <laughs> with the Jay Crowder situation. So I, I want I want to ask you a question on that first. Okay. Did right. you did you immediately know? that this was the song for it or how, what was your well, process you, you on discovering okay. this, yeah. this that this was the the song to go for this because it's so it, ba- it's, it's incredibly perfect yeah so basically what i did is i just had rihanna's catalog right i was trying to think what songs was she going to perform tonight so i was trying to like match them i was like all right all three of these songs i feel like she's going to perform tonight 
Um, and then from there, I just read the lyrics. I listened to the song and I tried to find the one that best encapsulated the moment of the trade. And I was like, I'm three for three, baby. I don't know that I'm going to go three for four. I did my best one. The McDaniels move <laughs> is like the least important of the trades that we're talking yeah. about. Too, so, so we'll get there in a second, okay. but, but yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to see how you got to this Jay Crowder. Cause this, this was the creme de la creme. This, yeah. this, this was the one that you knocked it out of the park. I kind of want to Costanza right now and just not even talk about the McDaniels. No, yeah, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do it you're, this this is uh this is Derek white taking a taking a heat check shot right now okay you, you, all right you, you, i like you, it i like you, it. you you've got to go for it but but real quick just on jay crowd of the bucks yeah i don't i have no idea what the value of second round picks is so is it an overpay maybe i don't know because i think we're going to have a couple more trades probably by the time we get to the to the nba draft where second rounders it's going to be like, okay so that's also a second round pick worthy or two second rounders is worth x and it's it's not going to make any any sense so whatever on the value part of it but mm-hmm. to your point i think jay crowder feels just like a almost a PJ Tucker upgrade that they've been missing for, since PJ Tucker left from their yep. championship run a few years yep. ago. I mean, he just feels like that missing piece. He's felt like this is the landing spot. And when you mix in, you know, angles, and I think really the biggest thing for the Bucks is if and when is Middleton going to get back to being Middleton? Because mm-hmm. if if he gets back to being even ninety percent of that Middleton of, of the Middleton that we know, the Middleton that specifically kills the Celtics as well. Right. You know, that's the scariest thing for me when I look across the Eastern Conference and why I still really look at this, despite the next move we're going to talk about, I still really look at this as Celtics and Bucks are just eyeing each other across the bar right now. And at a certain point, a few more drinks, you're going to meet in the middle and there's going to be one accidental, you know, shoulder brush and it's going down. And you got to know who you're sizing yourself up against. And, and right now, the Bucks are super versatile. They can go They do a lot of what the Celtics can do where they have guys that can, you know, Jay Crowder is a guy that can kind of guard a, a two guard, but also guard somebody that plays the four. So they have guys that can guard across the spectrum between one through five. And, and that's what I think, you know, makes this, you know, so such a scary move because, you know, then they have Giannis on top of it. They have the best player in the world. I still, Giannis is still the best player in the world to me, regardless of whatever else we want to put out there. It's still Giannis. He scares the hell out of me. We went through seven games of hell with him last year. I feel like that's coming again. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. But the supplementary parts last year weren't there. So if you add Middleton, you add Ingles, another ball handler, another shooter, you add yep. Crowder, another another tough big body, and you're getting spot minutes from Grayson Allen as opposed to main rotation minutes, like mm-hmm. that's good spot minutes getting Grayson Allen out there. Yep. You know, not not as great main mainstay rotation. So that that's really does make the Bucks, I think, more formidable, and it will lead to you know, I think the Celtics need to make maybe a move here in the buyout market, or if they're just fully at full strength, maybe that then equals it out. But we'll have to see. I think, I think you know, five seconds is five seconds. Whatever you want to make of that, it's a it's a good move and a good fit. Jay Crowder to the Bucks. All right, Greg. All heat right. check. Heat, heat check time. Ooh, here's on, here's on, the last one the that, that that we're gonna hit on. Jalen McDaniels replacing Matisse Thybul to the Philadelphia 76ers. The best Rihanna song to embody this move is Unfaithful. Lyrics, and I know that he knows I'm unfaithful and it kills him inside to know that I am happy with some other guy. I mean, when it comes down to it, I do think that McDaniels is better than Thibel, but I'm honestly not quite sure that's true. Um, I think McDaniels benefits from having a game that resembles his brother and his brother is the better brother. So you might think that the same potential is there, but I'm not quite sure that it is. You know, sometimes I I think I love Jalen McDaniels and I'm like, wait a minute, do I just love Jaden McDaniels? And now I think that I'm actually talking about Jalen McDaniels. But I think at the end of the day, the Sixers were done with Thibel and had a big enough sample size to know that it didn't work. So I get, you know, uh, the move to replace Matisse Thibel with another guy who basically does the same stuff that Matisse Thibel does. Uh, so I, I I like that move in that they knew they were done with Thibel. They brought in McDaniels, hoping just like a fresh guy in that same role could be an answer to that role. Mm-hmm. The issue is in my opinion, is that that was not the upgrade they needed. The upgrade they needed was at the Tobias Harris spot, and they were unable to do that. Yeah, <laughs> we're never going to disagree on an upgrade from the <laughs> Tobias Harris spot. I think the Sixers have known that's just hard to do with his with his salary. I'm going to say that 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 last Rihanna comparison. I'm going to say it rimmed out, Greg. I think yeah. I think you, I think, I think I you got 
you, you it was a tough contested look you were feeling it you know they made it maybe the Bristol should have been a foul call that was missed and it just rimmed in and out that's yeah. that's that's where close, I'm at with right? that. Was, I, I, I had to do some a, a serious re- I listened to like four or five songs <laughs> to try and come up with the best one for that yeah, when I'm on the way to my Super Bowl party, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna blast some some Rihanna here to to get ready for the night. But you know, with Jalen McDaniels, you know, I, I know at one point you were super high on Matisse Stiebel, and his defense is is the reason why. You know, yeah. his defense is is really impressive, and we've seen that it has given you know got our specifically Jalen Brown, Jason Tim has given them trouble at times. And we, I mean, we saw it tonight Dylan Brooks like that. A guy like that is very valuable to have. And you know, Dylan Brooks does not make good decisions. He can you know. He plays better offense than Matisse Thibel. And that's to a degree what I think the Sixers were looking for with Jalen McDaniels. Because when they play Thibel in the playoffs, their offense just just goes from, you know, it, it, let's just, I can't, I'm trying to think of a better word to not censor myself. May have to write this down. It goes to shit. You know, I, I couldn't think of a better word, but that's just what happens to them time and time again with Thibel when they try to play him in the postseason. And so with Jalen, you know, he's, we, we've seen him with the Hornets, you know, play some solid defense against wings like the Celtics have. And that's what they're gearing up for. They're doing the same thing. The Bucks did by getting Crowder. How do you gear up for the wings, you know, across the Eastern conference, which at one point did have Kevin Durant in it as well, no longer, but specifically looking at, you know, playing Chris Middleton, playing Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And so I think with the minutes you can get in the rotation with Jalen McDaniels, he's going to give you more in that offense. I mean, even if it's slightly less on defense, it's not going to break your defense down. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be able to sustain. But then on the offensive end, you're going to be able to play him without ruining your spacing to be able mm-hmm. to give room for Embiid, Maxi, Harden, uh, whoever might be out there to still have the space that they need without just, you know, basically playing a five on four offense. Uh, and so I do, I, I like the move. You know, I, I think he's a young kid, so we'll see what happens in the offseason. But I do like that as a short term upgrade for them, at least for this postseason. It's not quite on the level of the Crowder move. Like the Crowder move to the Bucks, I think is really. I don't want to overestimate Jay Crowder, but it's, it's a scary move for the Bucks for the depth and versatility it gives them. Mm-hmm. Jalen McDaniels is all right. You made a. It's the same rotation that you've had. It's just a maybe a slight upgrade. Well, the, I think the thing is right with Crowder. You now have a member of the closing five. McDaniels is just yeah. going to be getting. Uh, he's a rotation player, but he's not going to be in the closing five of that team. And if he does, then he'll exceed my expectations for what I think he can be for that squad. Um, but I think I think maybe the, he takes the Tobias Tobias Harris. Maybe he earns yeah. and steals the Tobias Harris minutes. I was thinking. Thinking that, and I was like, McDaniel's just like can't rebound as well. Like the, for all of Harris's faults, like he is a decent rebounder because he's big body. Yeah, you know. But I, I think for the Sixers to win the championship, they needed to figure out a way to move off of Tobias Harris and upgrade that spot, and they didn't do it. Well, man, you you crushed this Rihanna segment. I'm <laughs> extremely proud of you. The, thank you. Thank you. The thought never that we're in this. I wasn't really sure. I was like, all right, I think let's let's Greg threw this out there. Like, let's see what happens. This was an A plus performance. I thank am you. giving you a a round of applause here. I, I, I hope you can. Uh, I hope you can edit together a really nice video to go. I'm along. gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to now. You. 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 You <laughs> put. You put. You bat me into a corner here. I've got to find a way to put put something together. So uh, make sure you're following us on our YouTube page. I, I may try to put. Some to put a little bit of time and just I don't have time to do it tonight as we're recording right before the Super Bowl. So this may be a little bit later in the week project, but uh, but definitely follow us on our YouTube page, follow us on Twitter. We'll make sure we put that out there, Instagram as well at Green Pod. But Greg, so that leads us into the buyout markets, buyout season. So right from trade season into buyout season. I'm not I'm not quite as excited about buyout season. It's it's not the same as trade deadline season, no. but but it is something that you know, while at times typically overhyped does on occasion find its way to help once again we're talking about rotation back end rotation supplemental minutes that can help you get to the ultimate championship and so far you know we've seen the muscala move for the celtics in the trade market so they uh, they added another big what's really been left is that it seems like another wing with Jalen Brown out and even with Jalen Brown healthy, try to save a few minutes from the Jays and from the combo guard trio of Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, and Marcus Smart, who all tend to guard up when one of the Jays is out or foul trouble, try to save some minutes for them. Is that a wing is kind of where the Celtics would be looking in this buyout market, which is already kind of started to, to quote unquote 
you know, heat up here a little bit. Danny Green bought out after trade season. Looks like he's going to be going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He did just return from an ACL injury not too long ago. Terrence Ross, who you and I have always been kind of eyeing from the Magic, is maybe that's a guy the Celtics could go get. Another one of those quote-unquote Celtic killers. Looks like he's on his way to Phoenix to go join Kevin Durant. And so as of right now, those are the two main options that have been bought out. Reggie Jackson as well is going to get bought out and go to go to Denver, it looks like, but not really somebody the Celtics would be looking at. But it, it starts to bleed into, you know, now you're playing a waiting game for some of these other guys that might be available. Stanley Johnson was recently bought out earlier today as of this, as of this recording. Uh, but I know I think the main guy people are looking at is maybe a Will Barton. Uh, mm-hmm. Alec Burks has been thrown around as potentials. Is there somebody that now that these two names, Danny Green and Terrence Ross, are off the board, that that you're kind of you know keeping an eye open to that you hope makes their way to the buyout market? I think Alec Burks like is probably the name out there that I would I'd be interested in. I, I like his game. I think he's a a solid defender. You know, at the two to three position, um, he can shoot a little bit. He's got a little game off the bounce. I just don't know that anybody on the buyout market is necessarily like an upgrade over just adjusting the rotations where you like slide Peyton Pritchett into some extra minutes. You slide Sam Hauser into some extra minutes. I feel like we do have enough on this roster where we don't necessarily need to make those moves. And obviously if we're shooting at the rate that we're shooting um, with the white boy brigade, then I think we're going to be okay without a member of the, um, the bio brigade. Now, Burks versus Barton. I think that's probably the conversation. A lot, a lot of bees right now. Bees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see he's struggling with all these bees coming up here. Yeah. Beads. <laughs> bees. <laughs> but I think um I, I I don't I would prefer not to add anybody just for the sake of adding anybody. If you think that this guy might be able to play in the playoff rotation, then maybe, but normally a buyout guy does not end up in your playoff rotation. So that's kind of where I am. I'd rather just see more minutes and more opportunity for the guys that we already have. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think, I think it's worth bringing on somebody I mean, you have an open roster spot, right? So you're you're going to fill that, whether that's... I mean, I don't think they're going to convert J.D. Davison or, or, or Mafiando Capangeli just because I don't think that's going to gonna help. So I think they're going to find somebody. And so, you know, I do think a guy like like Will Barton, who just for different reasons, it hasn't worked out in, uh, in Washington this year, if he were to be bought out. I mean, this is a guy over the last three years before this, and of course, he's playing off Nikola Jokic. So when you play off Nikola Jokic, you're going to have, you know, much better opportunities, much better looks, just what, you know, playing with Jokic does for your career. But, you know, he's a three-year starter in Denver, averaging between, you know, 12 to 15 points per game, uh, was shooting threes about, you know, high 30s clip, 37 to about 38% roughly. Uh, So I think that's a guy that I think at least interests me from the quality of player that he's been up until this year and just having a limited role. You know, he's 6'6". He would be able to fill kind of some back-end wing minutes. I think that's a guy that, that would interest me on the buyout market. But, you know, as we see, you know, if Sam Hauser start to knock down some more of these shots, I do like him getting more reps. But, you know, we've seen how hot that shooting was. And then for about a month and a half, it was pretty cold. And even though he does more things, you talked about some of the other things he does other than just shoot the ball. Because, I, you know, it's it's probably a mistake that that we make a lot trying to cover this team. It's sometimes just making somebody one-dimensional. That's all he does. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's true if you're Duncan Robinson. But, you know, if you're Sam Houser, you're at least attempting to, you know, be in on the boards, make make the right cuts, do all these other little things. And I do think, you know, he, he does those well. But without that shot, it does make him harder to play longer stretches. And so if he does mm-hmm. go cold, it, it leaves you in a, in a slight predicament, not a big predicament, but a slight predicament. And so I think having a guy like Will Barton would be some nice insurance. Uh, Stanley Johnson, I haven't really watched much of this year, so I don't really have much of an opinion great on that body. name. Great body. <laughs> everyone always says about Stanley Johnson, oh, great body, great NBA body. They've been saying that since he was. Well, that's, that, that's, I feel like that's that's a lot of the, the dudes that kind of float around that keep getting chances. Like, he's, he's got the build for it, right? Yeah. Like, like, why can't this guy come in and be a defender here? It's like, I don't know, he failed three other places. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe well, who, I heard who on take First the, on first of the floor, they mentioned bringing back Semi, and I was like, "Oh God, no, please!" Yeah, I kind of shut that down. I was like, ah, yeah. "I don't know, I don't know about that, man." I've, I've I've seen. I'll just keep going back to those five minutes of uh, missed open threes from Jason Tatum when he was labeled as a non-creator, and it's because he's creating the Semi Ojale. 
Uh, but hey, shout out to Semi for that for that one Euro step he had three years ago. That was a fun time. It's fun ride. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the buyout market that will be, I think, where the Celtics will look to make any additional. It's really the only place to look for any additional moves. So we'll keep an eye on that. Right now, not a ton of options. There'll probably be a few more that come across this week. So by the time we we uh, rejoin you guys midweek, we'll check it out and see if there are any updates on that front. But. Before we get out of here, before we go, enjoy some good food and check out the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Let's do what we do every Sunday. Let's queue up that vibe check. Mine's going to be quick, so I'm going to save mine for, for, for a second here. I'm, I'm going to pass okay. the rock to you and uh, what you got for a vibe check on the Super Bowl Sunday. Okay, I'm vibing with the Bill Russell documentary, bro, and finding footage from early NBA eras. So, first of all, this isn't the most important of the points that I'm making here, but I think <laughs> that there should be more of these documentaries made to show younger generations that these dudes could play, but it was just like a different game. It's also just cool in those documentaries to see like um the the environment of different errors, like the crowd storming the court, old newspaper clippings, all that stuff is just fun. So, I just want to start there. Secondly, you know, Bill Russell's birthday is today. So Bill Russell, just happy birthday up there and having my guy, just an inspiring human being. Um, I thought it was cool that they made it a point to interweave the historical context for everything that he was doing throughout his career, which obviously you sort of have to do if you want to tell his story. But I think it was just really well done the way that they did that documentary. Um, watching a documentary like that makes you appreciate the sacrifices previous generations have made to get our society to where it's at today. But also, it's a great reminder that this stuff really wasn't that long ago. And if we take those things for granted, it's really a slippery slope back into some dark times. So I think I, the more documentaries that you can see out there that just like rehumanize the the struggle for civil rights and the struggle for human rights, I think is important. And then especially for sports fan to see it in the context of sports is I think is important for uh, older generations, our generation, and the upcoming generations. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch this yet, but it is it is 100% on my list of things. And I, I was actually thinking that, you know, while we have probably some time over the All-Star break, I'd love for us to even maybe dig in a, a little bit deeper on on this documentary, uh, you know, today being Bill Russell's birthday. And this is on, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, when you started talking, it made me think about, you know, when Bill Russell passed away because it happened when me, you, and Adam – we're literally about to do a podcast mm -hmm. and I think we were, uh, you know, seconds away from clicking, you know, record and, and having this big jovial boisterous, Hey boys, what's going on here? And then this news hit and it really kind of smacked us collectively in the face. Yep. And we I had and to then, take, and I had to record the, the little like, cold open yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean we took a few minutes bad. about you know what do we do because we can't just go into this like a normal podcast anymore like this has happened like we we need to address this it's too in the moment to really gather our our full thoughts on it and i thought you did a really good job um you know that, that's in the you know in the archives here of the celtics blog podcast that you can go back and, and find that episode and i think you did a really good job you know summing up to the best that we could you know our feelings in that moment and I think watching this documentary, which I'm really excited for, you know, Bill Russell's a guy that growing up in Boston, you hear different bits and pieces uh, about his life, his relationship with the city, his, you know, involvement with um, civil rights activism. But I, you know, in, in to, you know, a fault of my own, I've, I haven't really, you know, aside from a few select moments, really dug in to some of those moments. And so to be able to go back through this film, uh, I'm excited to to find out what I'm going to learn that I thought I knew that maybe I don't know a lot of and, and I, really I learn. Yeah. And really learn a lot more about the life of Bill Russell and the times in which, you know, Bill Russell, who's this godlike figure, not just the Celtics, but to the NBA, as you see, number six on every court across the NBA this season. Um, I think that's a really cool vibe check. And uh, yeah, definitely something that, that I'm going to be, I'm going to be looking into here pretty soon. So for me, told you I'm going to keep it quick and I'm going to keep it Super Bowl themed. Queen Riri, let's get it, baby.
Rihanna. Rihanna's back, baby. That's what this is all about right now for Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, of course, I want a good game between the Chiefs and the Eagles, uh, but probably one of the few times that I'm just about as excited for the halftime show as I am the actual football. It's going to be great. She's uh, got some bangers, bro. She's got some bangers, man. I don't know what she's going to come out with first. You got, you know, what's my name? Rude boy work. There's, there's, I mean, you already went through and named a bunch of other ones, uh, you know, that embodied the trades of this past deadline. Uh, it's going to be hot, but I was talking to, uh, you know, a friend earlier. Do you have, if you, usually we get a surprise guest at some point, right? Mm-hmm. As you were looking through the catalog today, since it's so fresh in your mind from our, from our segment earlier, do you have a guess as to who you think? a surprise guest during the Super Bowl might be? It's got to be Drake. That's So that's what I said, too. Apparently, they may have had a falling out that I didn't know about. They okay. did have a relationship. So, so you know, maybe there's a little bit of falling out. That was my one guess. Because if you look through her catalog, like, I don't think, like, surprisingly, her and Eminem have, like, three or four songs together. I don't think it's going to be Eminem. That and would not be a crowd pleaser if Eminem came and, out. And, and you know what? I like Eminem. I like Rihanna. Do not like them together. I don't think I like any of their songs they have no, together. All They're terrible. just it's just they don't it doesn't, which is why I don't know why they've done it so many times. Yeah. There's like three or four songs. It's like, guys, no one wants this. I don't I I appreciate you trying once, but you, you can stop. We don't we don't need that anymore. And other than that, a lot of her catalog is is a lot of you know herself. I think she's on a few maybe DJ Khaled songs, was maybe DJ Khaled comes out and just you can bring out anybody because DJ Khaled just works with anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you might end up out there for a song. Maybe you have a flight to, to Arizona. I'm sure Black Sheep Optimist are gonna be on track soon with DJ Khaled. <laughs> uh so maybe that's where it goes, but um, but yeah, that's my vibe check. Uh, you know, I'm hoping for you know a an awesome performance from Rihanna. I put a I put a small bet on. Uh, so this is really they have some really weird prop bets for Rihanna on a on the site that I've been using here for for my for my gambling addiction. And uh, the bet that I put in it was plus one fifteen that she's gonna wear sunglasses at some point during the performance. Feels like easy money. I like it. Yeah, I, I would yeah. put that. I would have put money on that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe it's not too late. It's before kickoff here. So go check that out, Greg. Kramer, That's- Kramer, you got this under control. It's a lock, Jerry. It's a lock. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, a, I'm enabling here, like a, <laughs> doing a horrible job of enabling you and your habits. But nobody hustles Earl Hafner. <laughs> Old Earl. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of Green with Envy. This is a Super Bowl edition. Greg and I have both picked the Chiefs. Let's see if we're right. When you tune into this on Monday, the release day, we will know who is the Super Bowl champion. For now, Celtics are atop the NBA, atop the Eastern Conference, 41-16, and 16, game and a half lead on the Bucks. We will be back with you later in the week. Greg, what are we going to hear on the way out? Y'all know the drill. Black Sheep Optimus, Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Deuces. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go.